0: We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. A biblical perspective on life, culture and
1: current events. This is 2020 on Vision.
0: And as I said earlier, in modern day multicultural Australia, we are seeing many more people from South American countries visiting, working, and many times settling permanently in Australia, in particular in Christian churches in our capital cities. Uh, It's becoming quite common to meet someone from Brazil, Colombia, Peru, or Argentina. But many Australians know little about South American nations, their history, or even their culture, let alone be able to speak fluently in Spanish or Portuguese. And our mainstream media and education system also tends to focus more on other parts of the world. So although many Australians are fascinated by South America and it's become a real tourist destination for many, there is still much that we can learn about this incredible continent. And of course, the big story that our mainstream media and education system has not focused on is what God has been doing in South American nations, particularly in the last 100 years. Well, our special guest today is Giles Stevens. He's the son of a brigadier general in the British Army a graduate of Oxford University, and as an ordained minister of the gospel, he's been an evangelist and a missionary based in Brazil for the last 15 years or so. And during his time in Brazil, he has also ministered in many other nations, some as far away as Europe and North America. And Giles is also part of one of Brazil's large and growing church movements, and he has a good handle on the state of things in Brazil and South America. Giles, welcome.
2: Thank you, Andrew. A joy to be with you. Welcome. It's it's a joy to speak to all your, your listeners as well, all the way from Brazil. That's
0: right, Giles. It's probably been a few years since you were here. Giles was actually a very good rugby player back in the day, played for Oxford University, which is no mean feat, and came out here and learnt what a POM was because he played rugby in Australia too, and everyone used to kick the ball to him and say, let's get the POM.
2: <laughs> it's very true. I have some special memories of the rugby pitch but also, Andrew, you have to remember that it was in Melbourne on St. Kilda Beach that I had my encounter with the Lord and came to Christ. So I'm indebted to you guys.
0: You certainly are, Giles, and we're going to hold you to that. So um, you need to come back and be a blessing to us out here. And and also, Giles, big news out of England at the moment is the, uh, the cancer diagnosis of, of King Charles and his family are now rallying around him.
2: Yeah well that's why we have we trust in the Lord. You know life here on earth it uh, it passes quickly no matter what age you live to. So it's always good to think ahead. So let's be praying for them and praying that uh, this in a sense you know when when we get shaken like this it's a good time to look up because the world doesn't have answers in this area.
0: Absolutely but 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 Jesus does. And uh, but Jos, I want us to focus on South America. You were on the ground there. You've been there for many years now and as i said in the introduction many of us here in australia we don't hear much about south america our media don't tend to focus on south america much but it's a it's a continent of 441 million people that is a lot of people just remembering jobs we have 27 million in australia uh, brazil alone has 215 million people colombia 52 million argentina 45 million peru 34 million Venezuela 32 million. There are a lot of people in South America aren't there Charles?
2: Well, that's right and remembering that all of the countries apart from Brazil speak Spanish, but uh, Portuguese spoken here in Brazil and actually if you update those numbers Brazil is now up to about 240 million people So there are more Brazilians and more Portuguese speakers in South America than all the other countries put together. So it's a big country a big country like like the United States minus Alaska, to give you an idea.
0: It's huge. It's just a huge, teeming, massive humanity. And as I said in the introduction, Giles, when you were last in Australia, which was many years ago now, you probably maybe met no South Americans, but now there are so many South Americans migrating and and settling in Australia. And I just thought it would be nice today to talk about... South America. What's going on there, and and maybe for some of our listeners to gain some understanding why they're meeting more and more South American people. So let's firstly talk about the economies in a broad sense of of South America, Giles. What is going on economically there at the moment?
2: Well, it, it's it's a mixed story to be honest. But um, certainly in Brazil, in the last twenty twenty five years, we've seen an extraordinary change partly because of decent fiscal policies financial policies and and more stable governments uh and so i mean i joke about it but my wife comes from a small town where there was hardly a car there was more horses and carts and not a painted house when I first came here in the year 2000, um, but now really you don't see any horses and carts. So that, that even shows you how far we've come, the cars everywhere. And, and really the private sector has thrived massively as soon as the governments allow people to do business. Um, but uh, I suppose the other side of the coin is we're constantly fighting here in Latin America against kind of very strong left-wing uh, politics that often is very corrupt as well and stops the you know stops people from actually developing their own businesses taxes still remain very very high so whilst south america or certainly brazil has pulled itself up out of the quagmire other nations around us have really gone from bad to worse and of course the classic example one of the big examples is argentina Um, you know it's interesting andrew that at the turn of the 20th century in the early 1900s there was a debate amongst intellectuals as to whether the usa or argentina would be the next superpower such are the natural resources uh, in argentina but obviously the u.s just took off and argentina really went from bad to worse and it's been down in the dumps yeah. another terrible Example, of course, is Venezuela, which, if if you don't know, has more oil reserves than any other nation in the whole world, including all the Middle Eastern ones, including Russia. And so this should be an economic powerhouse. But there are queues on the streets for bread and for petrol. Can you believe it? And that's pure bad politics, bad ideology, bad government.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think Argentina, like you said, I remember back in the 70s even, it was like a European nation. It was blessed. It was prosperous. The people were happy. But today, I think Argentina has the second highest inflation rate in the world. And two in five people in Argentina basically live in poverty. It's so sad, isn't it?
2: really is. And if you visit it, you know, it's just sort of really run down. It looks like nothing's had a paint job for decades and carpets need to be changed and cars are so old and rapidly. So it's sad because the potential there is enormous. And who knows, that might, may change now with recent events. Yeah, well, well, let's talk
0: about uh, Argentina. So we have a new president there. Uh, he's a, he seems very likable. Well, to me, he does anyway. He, he used to play covers for the Rolling Stones. I think he had a, his own band. They played Rolling Stones covers. He's got that sort of rock star hairstyle, and he's, he's talking a big talk, isn't he? He wants to change things and get rid of a lot of the corruption and, and remove big government from their society. So what are the people in Brazil saying about him?
2: Well, we're kind of looking over the board and we're kind of thankful, actually, because most governments down here in Latin America are left wing governments, very socialist governments. And that that has really kind of stopped, as I said, countries from thriving and corruption has been rife. And, um, you know, it's it's all been very in family. And so it's been difficult to break the hold. Now, with his coming to power in Argentina, it's been a a great, great breakthrough. And it's let's hope a real promising you know, new start for Argentina. Brazil, we had Bolsonaro in power, who, again, freed up a lot of the markets and so forth, and a lot of Brazilians really prospered under him, but uh, now we currently have a left-wing president who's a very strong socialist, so that's causing lots of international investors worry about, you know, putting money into a country like ours. And uh, so, but, you know, hopefully these things have a knock-on effect, and, you know, it's not a black and white story of left and right and so forth. There's a, there's a lot more complex than that. But to be honest, you know, I'm just so thankful living down here for the Argentinians, you know, and, and, and hopeful for them because I've seen how much they've suffered of recent decades. It'd be lovely to see them come out of that and and uh, be better off in general.
0: Yeah, it would. And, and I guess a knock-on effect, Giles, from these struggling economies is that crime increases and you know, here in, in the city I live in, it's called Brisbane in Australia. You know, I've met Colombians, Peruvians, Venezuelans, uh, uh, people from Ecuador and, and Brazil, of course. And, and a common theme I hear from these people is that things like kidnappings are becoming more common, crimes increasing. And that's actually the motive for a lot of these people. Some of them are... Young professionals, some of the brightest minds in these nations are moving to Australia and other nations to get away from the crime. It's very sad because it's a a drain of their intellectual resources, isn't it, as these professionals move overseas?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, again, strange being a a foreigner living here. When I meet uh, other other professional people who live in the same community as I do, they often look at me and say, what are you doing here? We all want to be where you come from. You know, whether it's the UK or Australia or one of the developed countries, they think I've gone completely against the grain. And I say to them, well, to be honest, if, it, if I was looking for a better lifestyle, I wouldn't be here. I'm here for other reasons, let's say higher callings. Um, but really anybody who's got an education, you know, got a professional career, they dream of going to live and work in another nation. And it's not that Brazil and other South American countries don't have our glories. We really do. And life can be really, really good here. But when you look at sort of healthcare and security, safety on the streets, as you say, you know, homicide rates, uh, problems with the infrastructure, a lot of, lot of death toll on the roads because of very poor. Uh, upkeep and other things like that and education you know if if you've got if, if you're wanting a better life for you and your family then if there's a chance to move overseas a lot of people grab them
0: yeah absolutely but you know it, it, it's not a great story not a great picture Giles but there is good things happening in South America. And we're going to focus on that in the next sort of part of our our conversation today. And that is what God is doing. We are talking with Giles Stevens in Brazil right now. He's an English gentleman, an Oxford University graduate, the son of a brigadier general in the British Army. One of those young Englishmen who would have typically gone straight into the corporate life and just worked for large successful companies all around the world. I think his first posting was in Hong Kong. But he came to Australia to play rugby or on a trip or something, and he got saved in Australia. His life was radically turned around. He's now minister of the gospel, preaching the gospel all over the world, including in Brazil where he lives and other parts of South America. Giles, welcome back.
2: Thank you. A joy to to see you, Andrew. joy to be with you on this show. You and I go back actually many years now. So it's great to see you and your element down in Brisbane, Australia.
0: We do go back many years, Giles, and I do remember one thing about you is you were a very good sportsman. You are a very good rugby player, but we played rugby together, and you were was, you know, one of the best players I've played with. But I couldn't even beat you in ping pong. That's what I remember. I couldn't beat you in anything.
2: That's when I was playing with my left hand. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, but Giles, uh, we talked a little bit about South America, but let's talk about what God is doing. In South America now and uh, it looks like uh, we do have a caller who's going to give us a comment as well but I really want us to focus for the next part of this conversation Giles on what God is doing because obviously there are challenges in all nations but it's always encouraging to hear in the midst of what's going on in the world the things that God is doing and and saying so uh, we're going to maybe try and take a call right now let's see if we can pick up this caller Hello, welcome to Vision. Hello, Andy. this is Christina. Christina, where are you calling us from?
1: I'm calling from Brisbane right now, um, but I am originally from Latin America. I am both Colombian and Peruvian.
0: You're Colombian and Peruvian. Well, welcome to the yeah. program, C- Christina. Thank you. Now, we've been talking about South America, obviously. Can you tell us briefly your story of how you ended up in mm-hmm. Australia? What brought you here?
1: Yeah, so um, my story is a bit uh, sort of out of the ordinary compared to many um, of my migrant peers. Um, So I uh, am married to a physicist and um, he has got a doctorate in theoretical physics. Uh, from Colombia from the National University of Columbia. Um, and uh, towards the end of his career he had to do a uh, internship in another country. Um, and that's sort of how we wound up coming to Australia initially. Now, after the first the internship the first uh, three months, um, we had the option to extend our time here in Australia or to go back. And it's been five years now. Um, and basically the, um, the long and the short of it is uh, we've been staying here because there are opportunities. There are work opportunities and development opportunities here that just unfortunately don't exist right now in Colombia. Um, so both for his career and for mine, it's, it's been the, the smarter moves.
0: So, Christina, what was your job or your profession in Colombia?
1: So, I was a lawyer in Colombia. I had just graduated as well, so I didn't have, like, you know, a a big, um, (laughs) kind of lots of experience in the field. Um, I did have some, but, yeah, I was was a lawyer. So, coming here basically just meant um, almost starting from scratch again.
0: Yeah, because obviously the Colombian legal system is very different to the Australian legal system. And, and this is the thing here in Australia. We, we meet many uh, Latin Americans, South Americans, and often they're working in cafes or they're cleaning or they're just working jobs. And, and we don't realize sometimes, do we, that often they're architects, they're engineers, they're lawyers, and they've come here just to, to, to start a new life. And like you, Christina, they've they've started from the bottom. So I guess it's quite challenging, is it, coming to a new nation, having to start again?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are, there are several elements there. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a missionary family where I had to, to learn English at a very early age. Um, so I didn't have that much of a language barrier. But then um, I, I think, as, as Giles can attest, even if you technically speak the same language, uh, you don't culturally speak the same language. So there was always a, a bit of that. But for many of many of the people who come here, um, they're coming to get that English experience, and then they realize that um, you know just just the quality of life here is um, very different to to what it is in Colombia, so or in Latin America in general. Um, there are elements. Uh, we are a very family focused culture, um, and we just we we do sacrifice a lot of that coming here. Um, or or establishing ourselves anywhere outside of, you know, home, basically. Um, But, uh, yeah, it it, it does require a lot of of sacrifice, but the bottom line tends to be, you know, um, there is an aspiration to work-life balance and to a better quality of life here, even if you're doing something that... um, wouldn't give you a good quality of life in Colombia. So, a lot yeah. of what you were saying, cleaning jobs and uh, cafe work and retail and hospitality, all of these um, positions that, you know, do require um, lots of different abilities are unfortunately not something that you could live comfortably
0: off Yeah. in yeah. Latin America. Yeah, um, amazing. Well, Christina, we, we do yeah. have to go to the news right now, but I just want to thank you so much for calling in today. And uh, we just hope and pray you and your husband just get established in Australia and that God continues to bless you on your journey in this new life and in this new nation. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> As a young person, I, I used to read and hear about revivals. I think there was a American evangelist called Tommy Hicks who went to Argentina back in the 50s. Uh, we heard about a, a real move of God in Colombia, probably in the 1990s. It sort of got a little bit of attention. But today, Giles, in 2024, I want to ask you: you know, what is the sense in your heart and other Christian leaders' hearts? Is there a sense that God is moving in South America?
2: Well, in short, Andrew, yes, Uh, and the the proof is in the pudding. You know, wisdom is known by her children. The facts speak for themselves. The church is growing massively uh, in a general sense where, you know, the grace of the Lord is being preached, where the spirit is moving. We continue to see great harvests. Uh, Our own church networks seeing that many churches as well. And so we're operating in a very ripe harvest field at the moment. And so we did touch upon some of the troubles of South America, let's say, with its economics and politics, although that can always change and has, to be honest, in Brazil has changed a lot. The economic scene in the last 25 years. But um, the, the biggest story here, without a doubt, is heaven's story of so many people coming to faith, so many leaders being raised up, and so many churches being planted. And it's this is, you know, one of the regions of the world where we continue to see a great move of God.
0: Yeah, amen. And so you're in the nation of Brazil, which is, as you said, the most populated of the South American nations, 240 million people. Tell us, you know, as an overview of the nation, what do you see and hear that God is doing in Brazil?
2: Well, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a historical example, and then perhaps we can talk about what's going on really in the last couple of decades. But um, just so you understand, I mean, all of, all of Latin America obviously was a, a colony or colonies of Spain and Portugal, and so with that came a Catholic inheritance and so really that's what was here until uh, a little over a, a hundred years ago when missionaries protestant missionaries started coming down and what that kicked off was i suppose something similar to what happened in the reformation in europe 500 years ago but i remember for example i was up on a, in a city called Beleng, which means bethlehem in on the amazon river and I went to the uh, museum to, that was set up to track and trace the story of the Assemblies of God movement down here in Brazil. Two uh, Swedish missionaries came down here after the Azusa Street Revival, where they caught the fire. They prayed and they felt like the Lord's saying to them, if your wise men, go to Bethlehem. And then when they were praying in the spirit, in heavenly tongues, somebody said to them, sounds like you're talking Portuguese. And they put the two things together and tracked down a town in Brazil called Belém, meaning Bethlehem, and felt the Lord had called them to come down here. They took a boat down the east coast of the States, through the Caribbean, up the Amazon, into mosquito infested waters, dressed in their three piece suits and started a little assembly. That was 111 years ago. I know because I was in the museum last year myself. Anyhow, to cut the story short, in 111 years now they have nearly 28 million believers Man. in that ministry. <laughs> so that's not bad for two young missionaries just, you know, moving on a word of God. And that's just one denomination. That's just one denomination of many. Well, that
0: that's more than the population of Australia yeah. in, in one church yeah. movement in a little over a hundred years. That's incredible. I don't think if the largest. Corporation in the world tried a marketing strategy and a campaign and invested untold amounts of money. I don't think they could get a result like that. That's just remarkable, isn't it?
2: Well, it's a sovereign act of God, and you know, and and there's something about that. I mean, the the caller. Uh, rang in, who rang in earlier, who had gone to the to Australia to live. She she noted the fact that down here in Brazil, um, society is somewhat different, I think, than developed countries, in that there are huge, still big families, and you tend to know your neighbours, and and there's a much easier flow in and out of houses. And those kind of things actually help the spreading of the gospel. You know, I think in the West, in, in developed nations, we tend to live rather secluded lives and to sort of get good news to people. Again, you know, you, you, it's, it's more restricted. And so, you know, we're seeing that society uh, uh, helps that. We're seeing that obviously poor people or more suffering people, needy people tend to be more open to, you know, to receive help or to listen to, to, to people offering help. And so all these things actually help them, the, the the spreading of the gospel. We've certainly experienced that ourselves.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about that, Giles, because I know one of your initiatives was you really launched an evangelism, a one-on-one evangelism uh, program, and there was a booklet, and you provided training. And, and I guess that was all just based on the fact that, yeah, the South American culture lends itself to more interpersonal communication. Tell us about that initiative. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons. I think the other thing is, and we, we have to remember this, that you know the advancement of God's kingdom is really a supernatural thing, and it happens through the preaching of the gospel and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things that really impacted me when I first came down as a young missionary evangelist was uh, getting around churches where uh, they were really practicing what uh, theologians call the universal priesthood of the believer. In other words every member is a minister and so often in western churches we have this leadership team or an anointed preacher or pastor and they tend to do the spiritual work whereas the the congregation do the secular work and then sort of pay the tithe for the spiritual work to be done Um, here in south america certainly the church that i'm based with and we've helped you know as part of a leadership team now for, for for a couple of decades we really have put into place a structure and a philosophy where really as leaders we're training the body to do the work of the ministry. And so what that really means in my point, from my point of view, being a pastor evangelist is every member is an evangelist. So what is my role then as a, as a leader? It's to train them and equip them and give them tools and strategies to help them reach their friends for Christ. And so you, you were mentioning there, alluding to a little booklet. One of the first strategies I did down here in Brazil was based on a booklet I called The 11th Question. And it was 11 questions that a person had to answer, the 11th being the most important. And how you answer that 11th one determined your destiny. And what we did was just equip thousands of young believers to share these 11 questions with their friends and give them a goal. To do that, I think the first campaign we did was every member share with seven friends over the course of a month. We evangelized 100,000 people in a month and we baptized 3,000 people at the end of it. That is amazing. And let's
0: just stop there, Josh. 3,000 converts in one month from one initiative like that. That's like the book of Acts, uh, the day of Pentecost, you know, when Peter stood up to preach. So that's incredible. One month, 3,000 baptisms yeah that's yeah. incredible that's- Hey, Jules, just uh, we're gonna we're gonna pause that because we're gonna come back to this this is fascinating but we have had another call come through Jules, and i want to give this uh, gentleman an opportunity to speak with us. his name is george george are you with us
3: hello andrew how are you i'm, I'm fine it's a pleasure to talk
0: with you yeah thank you so much for the chance no problem george tell us a little bit about your story george where are you from originally
3: Oh, I'm from Ecuador originally. I come here to Australia to improve a little bit my English, and yeah, I think it's working.
0: <laughs> well, your English sounds good to me, George. George, what uh, is your profession when you were back in Ecuador? What were you working at, a- as in what area?
3: Oh, I used to work in um, different topics, but all in the area of industrial engineering,
0: Yep, so you're an industrial engineer, and so you've you've left, you know, a potentially good pathway or career back in Ecuador to come to Australia. What was your motive, besides learning better English, of coming to Australia?
3: First of all, I think the most important one is the people. Uh, Here you have a really good culture, so here you have the chance to talk with the people and they have the patience. To listen to me because sometimes it's uh, quite difficult to understand because you know the accent. <laughs> Secondly, the weather—the weather you have a terrific weather here in Australia. To be honest, is kind of similar as in my country. So,
0: and uh, are you are the... you are you glad you've made the step to come to Australia? Yes. and and are you planning on staying permanently or at least for a few years? To be honest, I like here. I like the weather. I didn't
3: have the chance to visit other cities in australia yet but could be could be a really good option because here i have more chances to develop in my career yeah yeah absolutely in my country
0: well george i want to thank you so much for calling in an ecuadorian caller i don't know how many callers we've had from ecuador before on 2020 but we've had one today and i want to thank you for making the time to join us on 2020 today
3: thank you so much andrew for the chance
0: yeah, so there's a, there's a call there, Giles. But so, Giles, let's get back to that, that booklet. So the first month, you had uh, 3,000 converts. Tell us about how many years did you run that program for?
2: Well, to be honest, we use that booklet now every weekend because in our particular church network, and that's a story in itself that would be interesting to open up, but we hold dozens and dozens of encounter camps every weekend of the year. And these are this is our most effective evangelistic strategy. We invite people to come and stay for the weekend on the camp and, you know, we just preach Christ to them and, and just help them have their lives completely transformed. And so one of the the initial kind of session on that camp, we actually use that booklet to help people see the goodness of God in Christ Jesus and uh, it's just the sort of doorway moment for many people. So it's a joy for me because I managed to create a booklet that now sort of evangelizes people without me being present and I think that's again part of our vision is always to multiply ourselves and to you know to help others do the work of the ministry rather than it being dependent upon our own presence involved. Um, years ago, Angie, you and I both were fans of the, of the evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, and uh, I invited him to come down and share with us here. And he had this extraordinary vision to win millions for Christ. And I remember having been with him for a few days, I, he sort of left me in a slightly in a spiritual crisis Because I said to the Lord, Lord, I've got the same Bible as him and the same spirit as him, but he seems to be winning so many more. What can I do? And I felt the Lord say to me, well, it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing to have a strategy. And Bonke, of course, had his big African crusade strategy. And so I thought to myself, well, let me I'm going to create some strategies then. And one of the things that came into my heart was to write a booklet not for believers, but for unbelievers. And uh, so if you go into a Christian bookstore, most, I mean, 99.9% are written for believers, but we're called to be salt and light. And so I wanted to put a little booklet in the hands of believers that they were comfortable to give to their friends or even use as as a means of conversation with their friends. And as we know, you know, most, I mean, a born-again believer will want to share his faith, but very often just doesn't know how to start the conversation or close the deal. But the booklet kind of helps them do that. And that's why I think it's been an effective strategy. So we use it 20 years later. We're still using it. We're still still seeing a great fruit from it. Actually, i you know, having said that, I've created other materials too uh, and perhaps, let, let me say, even, even more effective ones since then.
0: I love that, Giles. And uh, you're obviously also doing your own you know face-to-face crusade you call them or gospel campaigns where you're preaching what's the reception like in brazil now and in particular what i really like to look for is young people are young people responding to the gospel in brazil now
2: very much so very much so and uh you know the i i've got four children who all either late teenagers or my oldest one is actually 21 now, and they've all caught the fire and running in their own ministries. And and I think one of the, the impacting things that we're seeing amongst youth, it's one thing for me as a sort of dad figure to get up and preach to the crowds. And, you know, I think that's there's a high demand for that. But I just love to see these the younger generation also getting up, and not just my natural sons and daughters, but I suppose my spiritual ones, getting up and preaching heaven down and... I think young people when they see another young person really preaching with wisdom and anointing that kind of impacts them even more because they realize hang on you know i could be doing this too and so it inspires a whole generation we're, we're seeing tens of thousands and to be honest uh, our church is mostly made up of young people um and if i could just testify about that that's that's a story of the grace of god it really is because and, and and this is something we really must emphasize we i don't think that there's a move of god here in brazil because we're holier than anyone else i think we're probably much more how can i say messed up than anyone else we're a dysfunctional society we've got lots of trouble character issues and so forth but we've discovered the grace of god and it's that the lord chooses the unqualified rather than the qualified those who don't deserve rather than do deserve those who depend on him who, or rather than who think they can go it themselves. And so, you know, the, our, our own church movement, which is called The Vine, it started now, we're celebrating 25 years this year. It started with 60 sort of cowboy type people, rednecks from the part of Brazil that I'm in, and um, with a little meeting on the veranda of, a you know, one young guy's house and now that's grown into a movement of over 1200 churches and over 400,000 believers just in our churches you know around the world we're now in i think 34 different nations as well and this is from a bunch of redneck redneck kids with a little education incredible so we we really know that this is something as i say it's grace and and uh, you know it's so it's just encouraging for all of us i suppose because if god can use us he can use anyone
0: yeah well amen to that i think we can all say that Joseph, god god uses any of us we we soon realize it's not us it's him but uh and just to clarify you're in an agricultural part of brazil aren't you so when you say rednecks you just mean sort of semi-rural country people and it's a beautiful part of the brazil of brazil i've had the pleasure of being there a couple of years ago and it's uh Yeah, lots of pastures, lots of cattle, and uh, lots of people riding horses on a Saturday night in some of the smaller towns nearby. I do remember that. But yeah, what an amazing story. So quite that again, 1,200 churches have been started in 34 nations in 25 years.
2: Exactly that. We now have, Andrew, the biggest um, children's ministry in the world, I believe. Um, We have over 200,000 children meeting every week in houses right across the nation, and so you talk about young people, but actually, in a sense, we're, we're even more amazed by children. And the other thing is, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, you have to understand these kids are really on fire for the Lord. They are preachers. They are, you know, they pray for the sick. They cast out demons. They, 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 they you know, they, they evangelize. Um, and actually, we, we, we have children who then go and lead their own parents to Christ. So, so it's been a divine strategy. We felt that for many years that the, the children have kind of been pushed outside the main service and seen as a bit of a distraction. We decided to invest into the next generation. And so now, actually, it's, it's interesting because we've been going 25 years. So some of those kids who we won on the streets have now sort of been through the whole training process, matured, been, become ordained pastors themselves and are pastoring churches of a thousand people or more. And so, you know, these guys have been brought up in the move of God, discipled, you know, to keep it going. And, and now sort of will fly much higher than we have. We've just laid the foundation for this next generation. It's, it's a delight to see. And of course, bodes well for the future. And I suppose I have to say that a lot of Western churches in, in developed countries, it tends to be they lack the youth and the children. And so the baton can't be passed on. We've got, you know, we've kind of inverted that. So now we've got hundreds, thousands who are wanting to be leaders, pastors, and so forth. So we just uh, thank, yeah, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Out of the mouths of infants will come the high praises of God. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Charles, just repeat those numbers. How many kids are meeting each week in homes? So just repeat that number again.
2: Well, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but it's over 200,000 every week.
0: 200,000 children and they meet in homes for Bible studies, do they?
2: Yeah, we call them cell groups so that, you know, they it's more than a Bible study, it's a covenant community with a real vision to grow and multiply. Everything we do, I mean, we really believe in the multiplication factor. So, you know, we're trying, you know, that that's why we started with one church, multiplied to two, multiplied to four. Multiplied to eight, and and that's how we start churches. Not really by getting buildings originally, but just starting small groups in, in, in cities and letting those groups grow. New leaders come through, and uh, you know the whole thing just keeps growing exponentially.
0: That, it's just I, I just can't get my head around those numbers. Two hundred thousand children in one church group, a meeting for a, a connect group or a small group yep. or a cell group, whatever we call them, and and God yep. is moving there. What a great foundation for the future like you said that the next generation that there are young people getting touched by god learning the word of god learning to pray learning to worship just amazing i mean every western nation we need this giles we need it you know out in the west as you probably know there's so much distraction now with social media and our kids are just being distracted by so many things and that's very encouraging
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, You know, you touched on something there, Andrew, which I thought interesting because I I heard I read a comment by um, the well-known pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in California. And he was replying to a comment that the church is decreasing. And he said, no, you're very wrong. The church is actually growing worldwide, except the places that it's growing is actually in South America, principally in South America, Africa, and and some of the more persecuted countries. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've always been rather surprised why we haven't had more um, sort of leaders from Western nations come down and check out what's going on down here, because it really is a divine move of God. And so they come to preach to preach here, but not necessarily to come and learn. But I think Rick Warren's comment was, we ought to now start seeing what they're doing because we need to perhaps import it to the West and to, to, to you know, the nations that originally were used by God to bring the gospel here, you know, the Americans and the Europeans, as I said earlier. Um, but maybe there's some things going on here that could be beneficial in Australia and, and Europe and the States as well.
0: Well, I think there are. I think you're 100% right there, Giles, and uh, and we're hoping to see you out here in our shores in the not-too-distant future as well. But, Giles, I want to just talk about your particular ministry, so in case people want to find out more about what you're doing, what God's doing through you, your website, I believe, is Giles Stevens with an S on the end of it, and stevens is spelt with a V, dot .com. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's my personal website where you can sort of check out my ministry. Yeah
0: and is there any other websites or, or ministries you want to point people towards today or is that a good starting point joelstevens.com uh,
2: that's a good starting point I mean I, I kind of wear two hats so as an evangelist I serve the body of Christ at large and I set up an organization called the great mission to do that okay but as a pastor I also am part of a presbytery of this church we're talking about the vine or in Portuguese a Igreja videra and um, you know uh, uh, and so Part of my time or most of my time, I'm serving within that network because we've got so many churches and so many believers to train up and so many events to hold. Um, so I, I have a pastoral hat. I sit as the kind of evangelist on that apostolic team. Um, but then again, as I said, I, I minister outside because I just, you know, I think what, we, what we're experiencing is something to be shared. That's the glory of the body of Christ. We've got lots of different gifts and we can learn and benefit from one another.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jos, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, giving us a little snapshot of what God is doing in the continent of South America, and in particular, the nation of Brazil. And, and well done to you. You know, you obviously relocated yourself there from England many years ago, and you've planted yourself, and your life has borne much fruit. And we just hope and pray that that continues and multiplies into different nations, spaces, and places wherever the Lord may lead you. And just reminding our listeners again, if you want to get in touch with Giles or maybe go and visit Giles in Brazil there and be a part of one of those great church meetings or those movements that he's talking about, go to his website, Giles Stevens, with an S on the end of it and a V in the middle of it, gilesstevens.com. Giles, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Andrew. And if I can just leave a final comment as well. Sometimes people ask me, you know, I'm an Englishman, I speak English, obviously. I have actually learned the language Portuguese in order to uh, communicate with the locals, but I'm always aware that I have a very strong accent and my Portuguese is imperfect. And, uh, but people say to me, you know, what is it that really really converts people or leads people to christ and i said well it can't be my portuguese because it's not that good and i've often said this and even you know to you who perhaps a listener might be wanting to preach in another language or even a south american wanting to become a missionary in english-speaking lands i said don't worry about having a perfect uh language from an academic point of view because it's not the human language that converts people so much as the what i call the language of grace when people hear about the goodness of god that despite everything you know he loves us he's got great plans for us he's not against us you know he he sent his son so that we can have life and that through his grace you can live a life without condemnation with a glorious future that's the thing that touches hearts that change lives that draws people in to him not by fear but by by revealing his goodness and of course the scripture says it's the goodness of god that leads us to repentance or leads us to change our mind about the way we're living and come to him and the knowledge of his goodness so be i, I hope all your your audience your listeners are encouraged by uh, by our conversation today
0: amen obrigado amigo
2: <laughs> obrigado andrew very good portuguese
0: <laughs> <laughs> better than yours my friend ciao ciao huh?
2: ciao now